Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. All right, everybody. We are in Genesis chapter 43. So if you would turn there or scroll there in your Bibles. Mm-hmm. Genesis chapter 43. Now, l- last week the group left off in right around verse 15. So... Um, almost halfway through the particular chapter. But let let me remind you of a couple things, uh, just to put everything in context. Uh, We are in the section of the book of Genesis where the primary uh, character, the lead character, is Joseph. And so we've sort of progressed through, and we spent time with Adam, and then Noah, and then Abraham, and so on and so forth. And now we are looking at uh, one of the sons of Israel, also known as Jacob, and this is Joseph. And One of the things, the first thing that we really came across with this young man is when, unfortunately, his brothers uh, sold him off into slavery. Weren't too happy with the fact that he was uh, clearly the favored son of his father. Um, And so they were going to kill him first off. And then one said, well, wait, we're not getting anything if we kill him. Let's sell him. At least we make some money here. And we'll go home and tell dad that he died. And at least we have some cash in our pockets. So that was chapter 37. Um, Chapter 38 is sort of an aside. It's unrelated to Joseph. Uh, Then chapter 39, Joseph has faithfully served. He's uh, a slave, faithfully served as a slave, kind of risen up, becomes the head slave, if you will, um, of this particular home that he's in, one of the captain of the guards, a guy by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar's wife um, is drawn to him, uh, makes a play at him. He rebuffs her, and she instead screams, Um, that he tried to attack her, and so Joseph is put in prison for that quote-unquote crime. Um, The good possibility that uh, Potiphar didn't really expect that he did it, or he would have had him killed, Uh, but whatever. It's easier to just get rid of the problem. Um, His wife likes this guy, so he goes to jail. Um, Once again there, faithful, um, man of integrity, rises up to be, I don't know how this works, but the head prisoner uh, or such, and kind of runs things from the inside there. Uh, But he's a good prisoner. He's not like a prison gang leader or something. He's a good prisoner. Um, And one time while there, two prisoners approach him, clearly troubled. Well, they're clearly troubled. He approaches them. What's up? And they say, well, we had these dreams that just freaked us out. And he says, well what are they? And he gives them the interpretation of the dreams. It turns out to be exactly uh, as he thought, or as he said, I should say, and people are amazed. But nobody remembers them, Baron. And everybody goes on with their lives. Well, not the one guy. He got killed. Uh, got his, his was brief. <laughs> yes, he went on with his brief life, but the other fellow goes on with his life. And anyhow, we come to chapter 41, and uh, Pharaoh now has had a dream. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And he had two dreams, really. And those dreams were very troubling to him. Reminds the former prisoner that his dreams were interpreted when he was troubled. He says, I know a guy. They go get Joseph. They clean up Joseph. Joseph explains the dreams that Pharaoh had um, and says, you know what? These aren't just fun little dreams. God's telling you what's about to happen. And if you were smart, you'd plan for those days. Uh, and if I were you, I'd hire a guy who does this, 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 and this. And that leads Pharaoh to say, well... You're hired. Yeah, <laughs> what are you doing? You know, And, and he hires him. And uh, that is chapter 42. Right? No, that was chapter 41. Now, the dream that Pharaoh had, some of you are like, yeah, we know, we were here. But some of us weren't. That's okay. Um, so That's okay. The dream that... And I wasn't here last week, so I forgot what happened. But the dream that Pharaoh had had to do with the fact that there'd be seven great years in, in Egypt, very wealthy, everything going wonderful, followed by seven years of famine, and that they were going to be severe. However, if they planned accordingly, they could get through those particular years. And so Joseph, as we said, he answers those, uh, he uh, explains those dreams, he's hired for the job, uh, and he's going to be the guy that is in charge. Now the famine, we learned, just in Egypt? Worldwide. Uh, well, I don't know about if it's worldwide. Well, Texas. Right. It says something like all over the land or something. Uh, the one says all over the earth. All over the earth, your says. Okay, I think uh, 
that it can be interpretation. translation. Yeah. But um, anyway, it's, it's a big one. Yeah. It's and more than just. Most significant is for our purposes, it hits Israel uh, or Canaan land. And so uh, that's going to affect the children. Now we have to remind ourselves of one last thing. Why did Joseph's brothers not like him again? He was favored. He was favored? Jealousy. Jealousy, okay. There's one other thing he did that really got on their nerves. He had dreams that seemed to indicate <laughs> that he was going to be more important than they were That's right. someday. The and family were going to bow down. Yeah. That they yeah. were all going to bow down. I had two separate dreams, one involving the sheaths, the wheat there, and the other involving the stars, sun, and moon. And even the dad is like, hey, well, your mom and I are going to bow down to you too? Or whatever. So... Um, Keep that in mind as we move on. Now, if you were with us last week, um, most of you guys here? Excited. I know you guys weren't. Four of us were. You, I did too. <laughs> so it's oh, three. you three. Yeah. Okay. So last week in chapter 42, the famine has grown so significant, so severe, that the children of Israel have run out of food. And so there's word that there's food down in Egypt and not knowing Joseph's there, Jacob uh, says, look, you got to go down to Egypt and, and get food. So they go down there, they get food, and don't you know, who do they stand before? Joseph. Their brother. Who do they bow before? Mm-hmm. Their brother. They bow. Yeah. So, now, they don't know it's Joseph. No. He's just the guy that's in charge. Joseph probably looked more like an Egyptian. Remember, Joseph had been down there for 20 years. When I say looked like an Egyptian, sort of the, the clothes, the hairstyle, that kind of thing. The and all that stuff. And he had been down there 20 years. A lot of people change over 20 years. Right. I remember when you were 20 years younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Did you really? Well, yeah, I knew him when he was little. I, I knew you when he had hair. I did too. You're a nice boy. Okay. So anyhow. Um, How old is your church? This church is just turned seven, 19. Just turned 19. 19. July 20th. July 20th, yep. All right, so uh, they come before Joseph, they bow down, get some food. Tell me some more, because there's a twist sort of in this story. So they get their food, they pay for their food, and they go on their way. Yeah, it's a little... He puts uh, some uh, extra stuff in it, in their sacks, uh, some some money, and and accuses them. them he's testing them, them to see if... To see well, he doesn't accuse them yet. So remember, they come back and forth twice. So the first time he puts money in their sack. How many brothers returned from Egypt? All but nine. all but nine of them. This is like a math problem. So there's twelve brothers. Joseph is already there. Um, the youngest brother stayed back home, yep. and so ten come. And you may recall Joseph said, uh, "So tell me about your family." And he said, right. "You have a father. Do you have brothers and all that." And he said, "Oh, how do they know?" Whatever. Simeon. So he keeps Simeon. one with him. Simeon, Simeon is who he yes. keeps. He's, he's, he basically says, you guys are spies. Right. So mm. he keeps one with him. Uh, you know, if you're for real, you'll come back and get your brother and all of that. Okay? Um, he said, don't come back here unless you bring your younger brother with you. Uh, which is, we know the guy's name was Benjamin. So that's basically 42. And then finally, the first half of chapter 43 they go back home, they tell their dad, we need to go back. Um, the guy there, he asked if we had a brother. Why'd you tell me he had a brother? We didn't tell him, he asked us, specifically. you know. So we answered, how were we to know that he would say, bring him back here? Uh, and so they, uh, the dad says what? Regretfully, at the end, he's like, all right, do it. At the end? Right, at first he's like, no. Yeah. And they're he's like, doing, what about Simeon? He, he's <laughs> right. doing everything he can not to send Benjamin. Yeah, he's it's, definitely afraid. It seems like he said, you're not going anywhere. Um, We'll see that tonight. Um, I remember when uh, it was Tic Tac night. Do you all know what Tic Tac night is? Mischief Mischief night? night. Yeah, in our day, we called it Tic Tac night. We were in the same neighborhood growing up. South Jersey was Mischief night. And it's also called Mischief night as well. I never heard of that until I moved here. Yeah. Well, you don't want to live in Trenton on mischief night. Probably not. Well, anyway, one mischief night, Tic Tac night, my brother and I were soaping up cars, you know, whatever, the windows. Hey, it's soap. <laughs> Come on, you're going to wash it anyway. And so we were soaping up the cars, and we went to this one car. We were like nine. 
and this one car, and this guy jumped out of the bushes <laughs> with a real loud voice, and he scared us. And we stood there like dummies or whatever, and he said, you go home, get a washcloth, and come back and clean it up. So we were like, okay. So we went home, and it was right on your street, too. We went home, and my dad, and then we got washcloths, and we started to walk out of the door, and my dad's like, where are you going? And like, some guy, I gotta clean his car. And he's like, yeah, you're not going anywhere, he said. Mm-hmm. And so we couldn't go because Dad said not to. Well, similarly here, the, it's a little different, um, certainly the scenario. But yeah. they're, they're not going back. Uh, they're just going to stay. And that pick brings us to where we left off. Okie doke. So, he, I think the father just assumed that um, Simeon was dead. He didn't think he was ever going to see him again. I think uh, you're right. Um, to some degree, whether he literally thought he was dead or dead to me, I'm not sure. All right, so we're in verse 15. Everybody ready? It says, so, thanks for bearing with me. So the men took this present, and they took double the money with them, and Benjamin, and Benjamin, they arose and they went down to Egypt, and they stood before Joseph. I'm going to read down to uh, verse 25. Now when Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, bring the men excuse me, into the house and slaughter an animal and make ready for the men, for the men are to dine with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and brought the men to Joseph's house. And the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house. And they said, it's because of the money, which was replaced in our sacks the first time that we are brought in so that he may assault us and fall upon us to make us servants and seize our donkeys. So they went up to the steward of Joseph's house and they spoke with him at the door of the house. And they said, oh, my Lord, We came down the first time to buy food, and when we came to the lodging place, we opened our sacks, and there was each man's money in the mouth of his sack and our money in full weight. So we've brought it again with us, and we have brought other money down with us to buy food. We do not know who put our money in our sacks. Verse 23, he replied, Peace to you. Do not be afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks for you. I received your money. Then he brought Simeon out to them. And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkeys fodder, they prepared the present for Joseph's coming at noon, for they heard that they should eat bread there. So they have made their way back. Now, if you look at verse 15, going back over those verses, um, it says the men took this present, and then, as we also read, they took a double uh, poor payment of the money, the one from the first time, and now this new one. And they went, with Benjamin, they went down to Egypt. So Jacob, I should say, reluctantly agreed to send the brothers um, now because they were out of food. Um, so how, how much food did they buy when they went down the first time? It doesn't tell us how long that should have lasted. Um, a little bit later on, um, one of the brothers will say, Look, we could have gone and been back, uh, he says twice, or, okay, so we could have gone and come back, so it's been months here, um, they had this food, they, they decide to bring a gift, he tells them to bring a present, uh, verse 11 and 12 of, let's see, choice fruits of the land, I don't know why they just didn't eat them. <laughs> That's what um, I'm thinking, where did they get this animal to kill, it's supposed to be this big famine, he's like, go kill an animal. Mm. They saved, I understand they saved up grain, but it didn't say anything about saving up animals. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I read, uh, I was just reading a book. um, Anybody reading Insanity of God? We're doing that book discussion group, anybody? So it's about, uh, the beginning of the book is about Somalia in the 1990s. And they had just Mm -hmm. gone through civil wars and all this stuff. And they, the people were so incredibly poor, except for the warlords. Mm. And the war, and I'm not comparing Joseph to a warlord, but no, I'm just making my point that the warlords they had satellite television, wow. and they had all sorts of food, and the, you know, and all the comforts of life, and people were living in like, you know, poverty, <laughs> extreme poverty. Mm-hmm. You know, they there was one sad story of um, a guy. He went in. He was basically like a sort of like a UN type rep. And his job was to go in and just sort of observe, to report back out, this is what they need. And he saw a woman holding her baby and like with a like a stone just sort of carving at the rock hard ground. Uh, and he said, what's going on there? And then he realized that the baby was dead and she was trying to dig a grave for the baby or whatever. And you know, the baby starved to death or whatever. And, 
So anyway, they, I guess he got a, uh, they had a little extra for the leaders of Egypt. Um, but verse 12, 11 and 12 tells us choice fruits, balm, honey, gum, that's cool, bubblicious or something, myrrh, <laughs> I just catches my attention. Pistachio nuts. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's pink ones or get your fingers all red. And then also almonds. Yeah, I don't so, think they dyed them back then. <laughs> no, okay. So they put a nice little present together, you know, bring that to the man, bring that extra money back to him again. Maybe it was a mistake. Uh, and, and bring Benjamin. So anyway, continuing, verse 16. So Joseph saw Benjamin with them. He said to the steward of the house, bring the men to my house, prime minister's house. You know, it's like the president of a nation uh, in some respects. You know, bring him into the White House, sit him in the East Room there, uh, slaughter an animal, make it ready, because uh, we're going to have a lunch together at noon. And so the steward, okay, if that's what you want me to do, I'll do. Remember, Joseph's second in command, one of the promises of Potiphar, you know, you're in charge of everything up to half the kingdom. Uh, you'll tell people what to do, and they'll do it. And so, okay, you want to feed these people. So certainly... An unusual request. I suspect that he is as surprised at the request as the brothers are going to be. Um, but he's told to do what he does, and he does it. So verse 18, notice Joseph's brothers. It says, the men were afraid because they were brought to Joseph's house, and they said, uh, you know, they're coming up with reasons. It's because of the money that we replaced, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, and the guy's going to make us uh, slaves and all that. Um, jumping to conclusions, you think? Might be a little bit of guilt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you mean by yes? Jumping to conclusions? Yes, I think they are jumping to conclusions. And what do you think's motivating it, Paul? Fear. Okay. So, if you went to buy food, would you be fearful? Depends on on um, where. Where it is, where you go to uh, buy it. That's right. Some places are are not the safest. If you go to Halo Farms at, at night or so, there's people panhandling and uh, and people stealing cows. Yeah, I just give them. It, they ask for a little donation. I give it to them instead of uh, instead of in a way of trouble. That kind of thing. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to set them off. Okay, so some places may cause a little more fear. Yes. Um, but I, I think sometimes uh, if you have nothing to fear, then it's not fearful. Right. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I agree with you. I think it's their guilty conscience. You know, that they're always looking uh, and they've convinced themselves that they were brought to the prime minister's house because now they're going to get theirs or something uh, like that. So anyhow, they're freaked out. Um, they're telling themselves they're just letting their nerves go. We're going to become slaves and so on. Verse 19, so they went up to the steward of Joseph's house. They're going to try to win an ally here. They're going to tell him their side of the story before things get too bad. Um, they explained how they brought the money, but it ended up in their bag anyway. Look, we brought more back. Um, and the steward, he says, guys, everything's fine. I have your money. No, he says, actually, he says, I received your money. Um, other versions say something slightly different. I had your money, I think it says. Anybody have a different version? That would be verse 23. Yeah. What? It says I received your money. I received. Okay. And paid in full. Yeah. So, it could be, look, I got your money. It says in mine, I had your money. Yeah. Um, that I, I got your money, put it in the treasury, and I don't know where your money came from. Or, I got your money... But then I was instructed to give it back to you. Either way. Mm -hmm. So either he can know about what's going on or he has no idea. But as far as he's concerned, they paid their bill and it's nothing for them to worry about. It's very simple. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Um, both saying the same thing. Um, but Joseph says in verse chapter 42, 25, Joseph instructed, uh, he said... And Joseph gave orders to fill their bags with grain and to replace every man's money in his sack and to give them provisions for the trip. But it doesn't necessarily say he gave the steward instruction. So he may have, he may not have. Um, we don't necessarily know, nor does it really matter. Uh, it is interesting, though, because he's an Egyptian, 
And he says, Peace to you, be not afraid. Your God and the God of your father has put treasure in your sacks um, for you. So it's interesting that he he brings up Jehovah to them. Uh, now certainly the Egyptians would have believed in many gods and Jehovah would have just been one more uh, of those gods. And, and the basic idea of those that were polytheists was you have your God and he does what he does for you, typically in your area where you live. And so he's looking out for you. Um, what makes him think that? Uh, did Joseph say something to him when he said, look, give them their money back? Uh, it'll be a blessing from their God or something? Um, I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, he uh, he brings up God. Now, how do you think they felt about that? They probably would have been a little freaked, I bet. What do you, why would you say that? They would even mention their God to begin with. Now he knows they're Jews, or they know they're Jews, right? right from Israel. But the, the reverence that is being displayed uh-huh. is somewhat unusual. Okay. And the fact that you know, like they're like, yeah, don't worry about it when you know, they were paranoid that <laughs> they're probably going to kill That's us. probably a great relief. <laughs> right. I wonder if the mention of God is sort of like a like a conviction jab a little bit because they know that they're they're not necessarily right with God. Right. You know, that they got some sins that they're hiding and have been hiding for 20 years. Right. Um, so, I'm sure, if, if at all, it probably just added a little bit to their guilty conscience. Um, and then notice the next phrase, and then he brought Simeon out to them. All right, now, we don't know how long Simeon was there in, in this little prison. We don't even know if the prison was the same one Joseph was in, or if it was like house arrest or whatever. Um, but it had been a while, certainly not just a week or two, um, more like half a year or maybe more that they had been away. Um, and so they come back now to get more. Simeon's brought out to them this whole big fear that they were going to be uh, put in jail or slaves or whatever seems to be alleviating. Uh, verse 24, And when the man had brought the men into Joseph's house and given them water, and they had washed their feet, and when he had given their donkey's fodder, they prepared the present. So they want to make a good impression uh, with Joseph. So they get the present all fancy and you know, kind of like a, a cornucopia you know, at like Thanksgiving time, and it looks really nice. So they get it all ready. All right, any thoughts on those verses? Tell me what fodder means again. What does fodder mean again? It's, uh, I think it's like either a place, we could look it up. Somebody look it up. A place to lie down or some food and stuff. Food. Hay feed. Hay feed. Yeah. Feed for the animals, I think. Yeah, it is. Like the, uh, like the cows, the horses, and the pigs and so forth. And the donkeys. Yeah. I just wonder what, um, they were, what they discussed with Simeon like. Uh, we don't see any dialogue between them, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, I wonder what he was going through this whole time. Now, Joseph never revealed to him right. during that time. Mm-hmm. I bet you they, they probably didn't speak. He's Joseph so and Simeon, right? No, because jo- they don't know that Joseph speaks Hebrew. They think That's that true. he's Egyptian and he only speaks Egyptian. Mm-hmm. So, if he had spoken to Simeon, it, he would have com- come out of character. Right, but I mean, he could have had an interpreter. Yeah, he could have. But um, there's no. We my don't God, know if they did or didn't. He just let him sit there. I, what do you think? Rough prison or house arrest? I think house arrest. Yeah, I don't house think arrest. he would have. House arrest. Hurt him. <laughs> John, you would have. Rough prison? <laughs> Weren't you the one who. So I don't know. No. But, uh, <laughs> Joseph seems like a good guy. Yeah. Um, yeah, based on what we see. Maybe no cable TV. I'm pretty certain there was no cable TV. I'll have to research that. You go, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's continue. Now, when Joseph came home, they brought into the house to him the present that they had with them, and they bowed down to him to the ground. Oh, huh, look yeah. at that. And he inquired about their welfare. And he said, is your father well? The old man of whom you spoke, is he still alive? So, probably not a week, right? It's kind of not the type of question you would ask if it was just a week, maybe it was a year, two years. They said, your servant, our father, is well. He is still alive. 
and they bowed their heads and prostrated themselves. Notice the second time. And he lifted up his eyes, and he saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, Is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? God be gracious to you, my son. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother, and he sought a place to weep. And he entered his chamber, and he wept there. Then he washed his face, and he came out, and controlling himself, composing himself, he said, Serve the food. And they served him by himself, and them by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because the Egyptians could not eat with the Hebrews, for that is an abomination to the Egyptians. And they sat before him, the firstborn, according to his birthright, and the youngest, according to his youth. The idea is being 12, 11, 10, 9. Yeah, kind of thing. And the men looked at one another in amazement. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table, but Benjamin's portion was five times as much as any of theirs. And they drank and were merry with him. Oh boy, getting exciting. All right, so Joseph comes home, they give him his gift, and then they bow down to him. First time they bowed down to him that we have recorded at least was uh, chapter 42, verse 6. First time they had come in. Um, so this is the second time now. Um, there will be more than this. It's like four different times it's listed. But this is the second occasion, if you will. Which uh, I, I wonder if that's connected to the two dreams that he had. First the sheaths bowed down, then the stars bowed down. Two different occasions, um, perhaps. Uh, verse 27, he inquires about their welfare. He asks about their father. Um, you know, they don't know him. He's President Obama. Right. You know, so imagine if you went to visit President Obama and he's like, so Baron, how's, how's your daughter uh, doing? And he names her by name. How's your wife doing? You know, how's, you know, mom and dad? And knows their name. And you're like, how's this guy know us? Why is he interested in us? And all this sort of stuff. Um, remember back in chapter 43, 18, they expected imprisonment or slavery and instead they're having this feast with this guy and he's asking them about how home is and and mom and dad or and so on um, so this is quite a thing uh one of the verses there it says they that they prostrated themselves uh that's said a little bit differently it's a different word than bowed down before them um it prostrated themselves has the phrase means it's it was something that was done before a superior in homage all right so it's a clear recognition that you are superior to us um, which is significant uh, little do they know that this is their younger brother um, who i don't know if anybody remembers we we did like we went through all the different verses and discovered that joseph was how many almost 25 years younger than some of his older brothers um, it's quite a bit of distance between the very first one, which is Reuben, and uh, and him. Um, Simeon's second. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so here they are bowing before their little brother Joseph, who they tried to thwart uh, the apparent dream that God had given them, and now here they are doing exactly that. So, verse twenty-nine. He lifted up his eyes. He saw his brother Benjamin, his mother's son. And he said, is this your youngest brother of whom you mentioned to me? He says, then he speaks to him. He says, God be gracious to you, my son. Now, we do not know uh, if Joseph had ever met Benjamin before. Um, The scripture doesn't say. Um, Some estimate uh, that Joseph was 10 or so years older. Joseph was sold into slavery when he was 17. And so in that event, he would have met him. Uh, But I don't really, I think that's more of like a tradition um, that has kind of passed it down. There's nowhere in the scripture that really tells us of their age. Um, Remember that Joseph's mom died when Benjamin was being born. Um, And so it's possible, but it's also possible that uh, Joseph is... Uh, as many as 20 years older than this young man and had never met him. It is interesting when he says to you, when he says, God be gracious to you, my son. It's a word, it's a term that can be used in a variety of ways and the context sort of uh, determines the meaning of it. In this context, the only meaning it can have is of a, uh, a youth or a young, young man. 
Um, so he's not Joseph's son. So the context, if his dad said, hey, son, come here, the context would explain it as that's his kid. Um, so in the context, the way Joseph is using it toward him, it would be, so may the Lord be gracious to you, young man. All right. And so you're talking about maybe a teenager or maybe even younger than that. Okay. So um, in chapter 44, verse 33, some of your versions may say it. Um, he's called there a boy in that verse. Some of your versions will say a lad, L-A-D. Um, Why have a dream with all the brothers, though, if he didn't know that? That, that there were 11 stars yeah. that bowed down to him? Yeah, yeah, so that would be like a prophetic dream, if indeed that's the case. I, I hear what you're saying. So that has it's to... It's also weird because his mother never bows down to him, and she was in the dream. Yes. Now, we talked about that, didn't we? Um, so She never lived long enough to bow down to him. So who was... So Jacob says, though, your mother and I are going to bow down to you, seeming to imply that she's still alive, and then the 11th star would be a prophetic that there's going to be another son. If, indeed, the son is born, then she's dead... And so who's the mom that's going to bow down to him? So there's a question involved there that I don't really know the answer. I think we can take our best guesses. Yeah. Wow, I never noticed. Yeah, we spent some time. I don't remember exactly the whole conversation and what we worked out, but. We didn't work out anything. Okay. But we hashed it around. Yeah. (laughs) So anyhow, in 4433, he's called a boy, which is a term for a boy, a little boy, a lad. Uh, or a young boy, so there you have it. So Joseph either never met this kid and is meeting him now for the first time, or he last saw him when he was five or six years old, and now he is, you know, 25 years old. People change between five and 25, and so um, anyhow, it moves him. That's it. All right, verse 30. Then Joseph hurried out, for his compassion grew warm for his brother. Some of you on Sunday mornings may recall we were talking about Jesus was moved with compassion. And I talked about how it's a word which talks about moved in his bowels or whatever. Not like a bathroom visit. But the idea of like like we say, I hate your guts or I... You know, that kind of thing. And so the deepest part of our being, what we're referring to, this is really the same word. Uh, it, it was written in Hebrew, translated into Greek in the Septuagint, but it's the same idea, same word, that he was moved in the deepest part of his being. He runs out of the room, he weeps. It says there, the word weep means to violently cry. Um, so he does. Um, wonder, did he see himself in Benjamin? Did he see himself in what sense? Being the youngest at that point in time, you know, he was once in his shoes. And that causes him to weep? It could be. Well, yeah, well, that could be a part of it. You yeah, know, uh-huh. To see the love that they have for their, you know, and not necessarily the love that they had for him at the time. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know if we know exactly. Uh, it could be maybe he's weeping now because... Here are my 11 brothers bowing down before me. And it took a long time, but God did exactly what he said he was going to do. And maybe that broke his heart. Maybe, uh, you know, it's his only brother, like in that sense of my mom. Uh, Mm. I don't know. Something causes him to break down um, here. And so he does. But he doesn't want people to know yet. And why doesn't he? Why not just come out and tell him? Guys, I'm your brother. All right, well, let's continue. So he has to wash his face. And why is he leaving the room to go cry? Why is he leaving the room to cry? Yeah. He doesn't want him to know. Why would he be crying? He's overwhelmed that he has his whole family there. I'm sure he remains very composed as he like walks out the room and then runs over. That's right. So what you got, eleven, twelve people? He says he was deeply moved at the sight of his brother. Yeah. 
Zoe serves dinner and or lunch, I should say, and they they sit down and eat. Now, verse thirty-two, uh, interesting. They serve him off by himself, all these brothers by themselves, and then the Egyptians eat by themselves. And we have an explanation as to why, because it was an abomination for the Egyptians to eat with the Hebrews. Um, the Egyptians know that Joseph is a Hebrew, at least the head Egyptians do, um, but his brothers don't necessarily know that, and so. Uh, they're off by themselves. He's got his own fancy table, I'm sure. And then they have theirs. The Egyptians believed that they were the descendants of the gods and that all other human beings were lesser beings. And so that's part of it. Um, it's kind of interesting. So social interaction was um, limited between the two, like sharing a meal, um, certainly marriage and things like that. So it's interesting when... When God took the children of Israel out of the land of Canaan, he sent them down to Egypt where they served as slaves. They lived for 400 years. We, the scripture tells us that they remained there so that the land of Canaan could, be, uh, could maximize its evil, so to speak, so that when God brought forth his judgment, if you will, quote-unquote, he would be justified in doing so. And it took 400 years for basically... That's it. I've given you lots of chances and you've blown it. And so, anyhow, they go down to Egypt. So this was pretty evil here. They go down to Egypt and never intermarry with the people of Egypt because the people of Egypt despise them and and look down on them as less than the gods. And God preserved them and he protected them. Isn't that kind of interesting? So anyhow, we see all of that just because they won't eat together. Um, But Joseph won't reveal himself and say, well, you know what, guys? I've been saving this. I'm a Jew, too. In particular, I'm a Judite, you know, or whatever. I'm a Jacobite, an Israelite um, for my dad. But he doesn't do that. So, freaks him out here. He puts little name cards out for everybody. (laughs) And he just so happens to put it in the perfect order from oldest to youngest. I don't know how someone did this, but someone did the odds of placing... Each kid, 11 of them, one by one in proper order, that it would, it is close to one in a 40 million chance, one in a 40 million chance to get it exactly correct. Now that, I don't know how they figure that out and if that's accurate, but the, my point is simply, that's pretty amazing and that's just not by accident. And these guys, they know it, notice they look at one another in amazement as they keep, and the Heads get smaller and smaller as the table goes, because um, these are the younger brothers and so on. Twelve so, times twelve times twelve times twelve. Eleven to the eleventh. Is that yeah. how you do it? Yeah. How do you do it? It's a, there's eleven people and eleven spots, okay. so it's eleven to the eleventh power. Huh. Yeah. I should have paid attention to math. <laughs> yeah. So what what's that? Eleven to the eleventh power. Uh, it's an even bigger number. Oh. Uh, okay. Two hundred eighty-five billion three hundred eleven. Big number. Okay. Well, anyway, anyway, it's 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 impossible. It's statistically absurd (laughs) too. So, verse thirty-four: portions were taken to them from Joseph's table. Each of them are fed now. This is remarkable, and Benjamin is given five times as much food um, for this young man, maybe boy, um, and they drank and they were merry with him. Question: Why is Benjamin? given five times as much food. He's his biological brother. Okay. That's true. Good idea? He's testing his brother to see how they would react. Mm. He likes your point. Wow. <laughs> okay, so... That's why he hasn't revealed himself yet. He's, this is an ongoing... I think he's waiting to see if they changed at all, if they're going to complain, yeah. be all jealous. When did again. they change on Joseph? Anybody? I don't know if you guys read the story lately. Do you guys remember when they at changed? What point they yeah, when he got there the was coat. an event. Yep. When he got the coat. When he got the coat. Joseph, uh, when he got that coat, we talked about this. The coat basically, we use designations like blue collar worker, white collar mm. worker. He was taken from the factory or the fields, in that case, they were shepherds and given a, a desk in the front office or whatever, and the coat symbolized that, uh, among other things. 
and it was clear that dad likes him better. And so now this younger son, who was as much as 25 years younger than some of the other brothers, and, and like 23 and 20 and 18, whatever, he's now in charge of all of us. And then there's a, there's a passage in chapter 37, I think, where basically he tells on all of them because they, they're not really working hard. They're like hiding behind the barn or something like that. And he mm-hmm. tells his dad what's going on. And that's it for them. They're like, this guy, he thinks he's something and all that. That's so. another way how you know that he wasn't doing what they were doing because they all leave. And then his father says, go and find them. He's not with them when they're doing their shepherd thing. Right. Because he's in the front office. Right. And that stinks. So they're mad at him. Uh, he's clearly favored. And they're... It all turns. Now, you guys, I think you hit it right on the head. Here is now Benjamin, another youngest son. And now he's being shown all this favoritism, five times as much food. Uh, and I think you're right. He's testing uh, his brothers here to see how they're going to respond. Um, so, you ready to look at a little more? We have some time, right? Was that coat customary in that culture? Like, was that the first coat to be you know, given to someone? Did that signify anything outside of there? Um, when you put a coat on somebody, it's it's a way of honoring them mm. because you'll see it with Malachi. He says, what should be done for the man who's highly favored? And he says, put a coat on him mm-hmm. and put him on a cult and, you know, bring him through the town. That was a, a sign Mordecai, of honor. Right. Mordecai, I'm sorry. Yeah, it was a long coat. You really couldn't work with it. Mm. The sleeves went way down here. So the the idea of it being a multicolored coat, that may be unique to that. specifically it was to ornamental. Ornamental, but that may have been unique to the one that Jacob gave to his son. Yeah. But the idea of the coat was standard mm-hmm. in that day. All right. Mm-hmm. So here we go. Verse uh, one, chapter forty-four. Then he commanded the store of the house, fill the men's sack with food as much as they can carry, and put each man's money in the mouth of his sack, and put my cup the silver cup in the mouth of the sack of the youngest with his money for the grain and so he did as Joseph told him verse 3 as soon as the morning was light the men were sent away with their donkeys and they had gone only a short distance from the city now Joseph said to his steward up follow after the men and when you overtake them say to them why have you repaid evil for good is it not from this that my lord drinks and by this that he practices divination you have done evil in doing this and when he overtook them he spoke to them these words and they said to him Why does my Lord speak such words as these? Far be it from your servants to do such a thing. Behold, the money that we found in the mouths of our sack we brought back to you from the land of Canaan. How then could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servants. He said, Let it be as you say. He who is found with it shall be my servant, and the rest of you will be innocent. Then each man quickly lowered his sack to the ground, and each... Uh, what did they do? Lowered his sack to the ground. Each man opened his sack, and he searched, beginning with the oldest and ending with the youngest. And the cup was found in Benjamin's sack. Then they tore their clothes, and every man loaded his donkey, and they returned to the city. Oh boy, boy, boy! All right, so uh, round two, so to speak. They're, they're getting the food. Joseph pulls the store aside. He says, "You know what? Give them back their money. Just put it in on the top of the sack." And the guy's like, "I don't understand this, Joseph guy." Uh, we have no indication that Joseph told the stewards what go, what is going on, though he may be, he's certainly wondering, something's going on here. Joseph doesn't act this way with everybody else. Um, maybe Joseph clued him in, um, but we don't know. And so he's going to test these brothers, as you were saying. So they gave Benjamin a little extra food. How do they feel about that? Um, Benjamin's going to be the one in trouble. What will they do? Um, and how will they respond? He's going to test them. Um, will they abandon Benjamin and say, mm-hmm. good, another problem done with? <laughs> and, you know, just kind of move on? Uh, or will they stand up for him? So verse 3 tells us uh, as soon as it's morning, guys, how far are they away? Maybe three miles away, five miles away. Uh, he um, sends the steward after him, gives him instructions, hunt him down, tell him, I can't believe you stole from me, et cetera, et cetera. Um, notice it says there that he practices uh, divination. Um, now, typically that wouldn't be a good thing for a man of God. Um, does We do know from records that the Egyptians 
pra- some Egyptians practiced divination, where they basically somehow tapped into the um, to the spirits. I would say the demonic spirits, and they did use um, ornamental cups and things like that for that whole process. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that Joseph did. You know, Joseph could have just simply prayed, uh, and the steward basically said tied it all in together to what everybody else did. Um, so anyhow, part of this whole story, Joseph isn't getting this information through divination anyway. He's the one who put the cup in there or had the cup put in there. And so anyway, he just says, hunt him down. Say, I can't believe you guys stole from me. Didn't you think I'd find out? Uh, and so he does that. Uh, verse 6 and uh, down to 10, he overtakes them. He does what Joseph told him. Uh, and notice these guys, their response in verse 9 is, look, whoever you find this stuff with, put them to death. Obviously saying, we don't have it. You know, they wouldn't be so quick to, to just say, like, you know, to vigorously deny in such a way at such a risk. And so they're pretty convinced they didn't do it. They're pretty convinced none of their brothers did it. We didn't steal anything from you. You can, you know, put us on death row if you think we'll be, that we did. Um, I do find it interesting. Do you recall back when Jacob left his uncle Laban? Um, so Jason, Jacob had gone to find a wife what, like 600 miles away. Actually, I think it was like 400 miles away to find a wife and stayed there, had a number of kids, at least 11 kids at that time. Uh, and when they were leaving, Rachel, his one wife, stole the household gods of her dad uh, and took them. Um, and they were certainly worth a lot, plus, you know, they were gods, and apparently she must have prayed to them or something. And she hides them under her mat, and she sits on her mat and all that stuff. And um, when Laban chased her down, it's, I can't believe you stole my household gods. He chases uh, Jacob down. He says, look, whoever you find them with, put them to death or whatever. Same thing. I, I just find it interesting. Um, I would say, Whoever you find him with, slap him on the hand, or, you know, or something like that. But these guys are for real because jo- Jacob was like, "We didn't take your gods." He didn't know that his wife had. Uh, I always found it sad too. He st- she stole these things. It's like Achan, you remember in Joshua, stole these things, and then had to go hide them in the tent, and couldn't do anything with these things because everyone would know that they stole these things. So whatever, it's like, was it worth it? You know, you enjoyed that much. So anyhow. Uh, Anyone you find them, put to death. Notice they also say, and we will be my Lord's servants. So, very different now, isn't it? Their willingness for all of them to suffer the consequences of what one of them does. That's different from who they were a number of chapters earlier. So again, they say, kill the guy who has them, and the rest of us will be your slaves. Now notice what the steward says in verse 10 he says let it be as you say well what did they say kill the guy and let us be your slaves he says let it be as you say which um, in verse 10 he was found with it shall be my servant and the rest of you shall go away so it's not really like it's like a strange negotiation because they're not on the same page here Um, he agrees just to slavery for the perpetrator and everybody else um, can go away. Now, I wonder if the steward here, it causes me to wonder if the steward is in on Joseph's plan. Yeah, it it seems sure like he point, is. Yeah. It seems like he is. Um, he sort of knows, like, so why are you doing all this? Look, I want to test these guys. He may not have said these are my brothers, but he said, I want to test these guys um, and see how they're going to respond to this younger brother, you know, and so on and so forth. And so... Um, you know, I wonder. Remember, he accused them of being spies, mm-hmm. and they said, "We're not spies. Our dad's back there. We got a younger brother. Maybe they, this kid's a plant. He's not even a younger brother. He's just some other kid who kind of looks like the family. Who knows? And they'll just abandon him. Whatever." So he puts his test out there, uh, and verse eleven. Then each man quickly lowers his sack, as we said, and uh, they have no reason to stall. They thought they were innocent, so they jump right there. Here, take a look. Whatever you want. It's all yours. Um, and they begin to present themselves. Uh, I don't think it's like, I don't think the steward memorized their birth age, and I don't necessarily think this is a miracle um, or whatever. I just think 
they began to walk up, you know, hey, I'm Ruben here, I'm the oldest, here's my bag, and then the next guy and so on. Um, but anyhow, of course, Benjamin goes last, and they find the stuff. Um, and you can just imagine how their hearts would have sank. If I were them, I would have just checked my bags before I left. You know what I mean? Yeah, just based on the other time. Uh, yeah, I'm not letting yeah. this happen again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So here, even if they don't like Benjamin and they're mad at him or bitter toward him or whatever, I can't believe he got five times as much food, they do like their dad. And they had promised their dad these things, and they knew their dad would be heartbroken and all that stuff. Um, well, he also told him he could kill his son. Yeah, now I always thought about that. You know, hey, Dad, if anything goes wrong, you can kill your grandchildren, and it'll be and like, why would I kill my grandchildren? <laughs> How's that going to help me? Um, so, uh, nonetheless, uh, you can imagine their hearts have sunk, uh, and now the test has really begun. You know, now you're digging in and answering the questions: Has these have these brothers actually changed? Notice the verse there says they tear their clothes, which is sort of a sign of like mourning and repentance and this is all bad and I wish it didn't happen kind of thing. Uh, every man gets back on their donkey and they, they go back to uh, the city. Um, so basically you might, the steward might be thinking, okay, so far so good. You know, if he is looking for certain things so far, rather than just abandoning Benjamin, uh, instead they, they all take responsibility uh, which is a very different response, rather than just saying, see you, Ben, good luck to you, um, as they basically did with Joseph when they sold him off into slavery. Joseph rode off into Egypt, and these guys went the other direction. Well, they could have done that again. So they're changing, um, or at least demonstrating a change. All right, verses 14 when Judah and his brothers came to Joseph's house, he was still there. They fell before him to the ground. Joseph said to them, What deed is this that you have done? He kind of probably pretended to be real mad or something. Uh, Don't you know that a man like I can practice divination? I would have known you did it. Judah said, What shall we say, my Lord? What shall we speak? Or how can we clear ourselves? God found out the guilt of your servants. Behold, we are my Lord's servants, both we and he, also in whose hand the cup has been found. Benjamin, that is. But he, but Joseph said, Far be it from me that I should do so. Only the man in whose hand the cup was found shall be my servant. But as for the rest of you, go up in peace to your father. So verse 14, they fall before him to the ground. Fourth time uh, that's recorded for us that they bow before him. Um, verse 16 Notice it's Judah that speaks up. Now, Judah's not the firstborn son. Judah is the fourthborn son. Reuben's the firstborn. Reuben is, that's correct. Simeon, Um, Levi, Nathalie, Issachar, Asher, Dan, Zebulun, Gad. All those people. (laughs) But Judah's the one who speaks up, which I find interesting. Anybody else find that interesting for any reason? Yeah, yeah, I would think it would be Reuben. You would. Yeah. Yeah. Now, we looked at that before Reuben had sinned against his father's well against his father by sleeping with concubine. Uh, his dad's concubine not his mom mm-hmm. and, and from that point on he just sort of like Dimmed out. drifts yeah mm-hmm. he's not the leader really anymore uh, the de facto leader Simon and Levi we looked at they got themselves into some trouble um, by being hotheads essentially, and so they kind of, and so Judah uh, will become the leader and, and so on as if he's the oldest. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting to note when they sold Joseph, Reuben, first they throw him in a pit. Reuben's plan is he's going to come back when everybody else has left. Instead of leading, he's going to come back when everybody else has left and free um, Joseph, but he goes to the bathroom or something, he's not there. And it's Judah who says, guys, why don't we make some money off of this? Let's sell him. So Judah is the ringleader on selling Joseph into slavery. And now Judah's the one stepping up and saying, God has found out the guilt of your servants. So he might just be the natural born leader of the family. Or the de facto leader. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Well, that's what I mean. Like, just the guy who speaks up. Mm-hmm. Like, just his personality. I also think his... There might be some things where he's like, wow, I messed up and I can redeem myself. Oh, that's, that's another good yeah. option. Mm-hmm. But it seems that uh, the guilt is weighing on him heavily. Mm-hmm. Because he has... Uh, he's come out and said, um, God has found out our guilt. Or whatever. He's not talking about the stealing of the cup because they didn't steal the cup, or he didn't, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how many other times he or his brothers made this kind of a statement. So, kids running around, he falls, breaks his arm. God has found out our guilt. That's yeah. why this has happened. You know, our stocks crash and our retirement savings is all gone. God has found out my guilt. That's why this is happening. And basically, everything that goes wrong is because of this unconfessed sin that is over here. And so here he is now again. And unforgiven sin, unconfessed sin, will eat at a person, and you'll basically find God behind every tree. You know, and there's God again. He's getting me again because of that sin. And unconfessed sin never will go away. Only washed sin goes away. And that's something Judah has not yet experienced. And so I think that's why the, it comes right out. God's found out our guilt uh, and we're caught um, here. So if you have that, confess your sin and let God wash you. First uh, John says God's faithful and just. He cleanses us. He forgives us. He washes us. And that's really good news for us Christian as bars. believers. It's like a Christian bar. So that's nice. Dove. That's right. Yeah, there you go. All right, verse 16. He says, we are my Lord's servants, both we... And also Benjamin, whom the uh, hand of the cup, whose hand the cup was found, um, 20 years ago they forsook Joseph. Now they're not going to do so with Benjamin. So big change, which is good news. Um, certainly if they would have quickly abandoned Benjamin and Benjamin was brought back by himself, I'm sure Joseph would have said, how you doing? I know what you're going through. My name is Joseph. I'm your brother. Maybe I knew you. Maybe I didn't know you before. Uh, and but he would have known the reality of what his brothers still were, but they all come back. Praise the Lord! Right, verse seventeen. But he said, "Far be it from me that I should do this." Joseph, um, notice he gives them a second chance for them to say, "Well, we tried. See you," and leave. But he gives them a second chance. Notice this verse eighteen. What an interesting uh, couple of things that Joseph says. Joseph, or excuse me, Judah then goes to Joseph privately of some sorts and he says my lord please let me speak a word in your ears don't let your anger burn against me for you're like pharaoh uh, himself now he doesn't know it's joseph judah was the ringleader remember we learned that joseph was crying please don't do this please don't do this we learned that from another um, part of the scripture Uh, and they just ignored him and sold their brother off into slavery. And now he's coming before him, humbly whispering before him, please, my Lord, uh, and all this stuff. Little does he know that the person that he just said, you're like Pharaoh himself, is his little brother who he disrespected in the way that he did. Now Judah does say this to him. He said, "My verse 19, my Lord asked his servant saying, have you a father or a brother? And we said to my Lord, we do. We have a father, an old man, and a young brother the child of his old age. His brother, meaning that young brother's brother, is dead, and he alone is left of his mother's children, and his father loves him. Then you said to your servants, Bring him down to me, that I may set my eyes on him. And we said to my Lord, The boy cannot leave his father, for if he should leave his father, his father would die. Then you said to your servant, he's telling Joseph everything from the experience, Unless your youngest brother comes down with you, you shall not see my face again. When we went back to your servant, my father, we told him the words of my Lord, And our father said, go again, buy us a little food. We said, we can't go. If our youngest brother uh, goes with us, then we will go. For we cannot see that man's face unless our youngest brother is with us. Then your servant, my father, said to us, you know that my wife bore me two sons. One has left me, and I said, surely he has been torn to pieces, and I have never seen him since. If you take this one also from me, and harm happens to him, you will bring down my gray hairs uh, in evil. Uh, to Sheol, to the grave. And so he, Judah recounts the scenario to Joseph. Joseph, no doubt, remembers all of this. 
uh, and basically explains how you can't keep Benjamin. I need to bring him back. My dad will die if I don't. Verse 30, Now therefore, as soon as I come to your servant, my father, and the boy is not with us, then as his life is bound up in the boy's life, as soon as he sees the boy is not with us, he will die, and your servants will bring down the gray hairs of your servant, our father, with sorrow to Sheol. For your servant, meaning me, Judah saying, for your servant became a pledge of safety for the boy to my father, saying, If I do not bring him back to you, then I shall bear the blame before my father all of my life. Now, therefore, please let me, Judah, remain instead of the boy as a servant to my Lord, and let the boy go back with his brothers. For how can I go back to my father if the boy is not with me? I fear to see the evil that would find my brother. So are they speaking in Hebrew together? Uh, I think it's through an interpreter. Okay. Yeah, um, Joseph will reveal himself. We'll learn that um, next chapter by speaking mm. um, in the language. So, Judah, um, that this is something, you know. Would you sell yourself into slavery for uh, for your brother, but more so for like that? They're brothers, but they're not really brothers, kind of thing. Like someone you don't really like, you know. But Judah is stepping up, and he is doing so. Um, it also means death to his family. Because of what he said to his dad. What no, you... because if they don't go back with the food, their families are going to starve to death. Okay. It, it culturally, it's not like here. Like you are asking, why would he kill his grandchildren? That's a whole totally different thing. Like, we see our grandchildren as an extension of ourselves. It isn't like that in their culture. Okay. So his his son's children are not like... On his knee, bobbing them up yeah, and down. Yeah, it's, it's not okay. like that. Okay, so it's different. It's not like that. Okay. Well, um... So if, if he goes back and... Obviously, How will they eat and all that? Exactly. Who's going to provide for his family? So in the Hebrew tradition, one of his brothers has to step up now and take, or supposed to, but that sure. doesn't always happen, but yeah, supposed to step up. Hmm. So if he's got a, more than one wife and he's got more than one kid and there's a famine, there's a pretty good chance that he's going to feed, the brother that does step up is going to feed his family before he's going to feed his family. Sure. Um, well, we saw Judah was uh, with... Real quick to get rid of Joseph. Yeah. So, uh... So to answer your question, if, it, if, I, if I felt that it was going to cleanse me of that, that sin you might. for so many years, then yeah. Yeah. If that's the only thing that I... Think will do so? Yeah. Yeah, and maybe he's thinking, look, I brought all this on. Mm-hmm. I'm the one who came up with the idea. It's my responsibility. Um, but... He's, it's it's a moving speech, if you will, that he gives to Joseph here, um, and clearly, you know, you can see the change in this guy's heart. Um, you know, earlier when they had to go tell Jacob that Joseph had died, they didn't really care at all about what their dad thought. Um, here, they're concerned that the dad's going to die from hearing that Benjamin isn't there, and so. Um, he said, look, I gotta I gotta do it. it's worth it. And he does so. Now I just wanted to quickly draw your attention to ten not ten, but the growth that we see in these ten older brothers. So back in chapter forty three, when Benjamin's given more food, no evidence of resentment on their part. In forty four, chapter forty four, verse nine, uh, when they're accused one of there's no turning on each other. It's probably you. You stole the cup. Right. They all trust one another and support one another. In 44.13, when Benjamin is found to have the cup, they don't abandon him, but they all go back. Um, in 44.16, you see a very quick awareness of their own sin. That's a change. Um, in Right at the end here, we just saw their concern for how their dad's going to respond and that he would die if he hears that his son is gone. Um, and then in, in verse 33, Judah's willingness to substitute himself on behalf of others. A lot of growth. It's a different family, uh, or these are different people now that 20 years has gone by. Uh, and so that had something to do with the way Jacob responded when he found out Joseph died? Like they saw how much it tore up their father? I think it could, yeah. Absolutely. Um, 
You know, and, and how often sin, you just separate yourself from it a little, and you think, why did I do that? Mm. So stupid. You know what I mean? And and they kept it with them for 20 years. It's hard to keep a sin, like, in your gut for 20, for a year, months, when God starts bringing a conviction. So, how does Joseph respond? Well, you have to come back next week. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be exciting. Thanks again for listening to the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.